0: what's up everybody it's dan from binder boneyard coming at you from the freezing cold office uh we got a heater in here you might hear a cycle um but you know it's still cold it's november it's chilly it's that time of year the air gets crisp and all of leaves fall off everything and just remember that summer's over and you gotta hunker in for the uh the long cold winter unless you're in southern states then you know what shut up I don't care but uh today today I'm gonna tell a story so uh, the story seemed to get um (laughs) The most attention, I don't know People like the tech, but hearing me be stupid and do stupid things seems to get the most attention So, today we're going to talk about my 73 Scout 2 And I have told some stories about this Scout before um, But I'm going to go to the way back I bought this Scout. It was the second Scout that I'd ever bought. Uh, my first Scout being the 66800 that I've told stories about before. Uh, but this second Scout was the 73 Scout 2. It sat for sale on the side of the road. Um, damn near rust free. Like, m- virtually rust free. But it had a big Bondo spot on the passenger side quarter panel where it was, like, caved in. And, um, and uh, what else? Oh, it had a brown door. Driver's door was brown. Rest of the scout was glacier blue. Rust-free. This thing was solid. And it was sitting on the side of the highway outside of Malala, where I lived and it had two flat tires They were opposite corners of each other so it was like twisted it had been sitting for about eight months and I stopped and I because I used to drive past it all the time and I didn't even know what it was and then once I got my 800 I started doing more learning about scouts and So, I was like, oh, this thing I've been driving past for months is actually a Scout. So, they wanted $1,100 for it. And they claimed that it ran. Uh, When I called the number on the sign, the guy didn't even know what I was talking about at first. Um, He was like, oh, is that thing still out there? God, I forgot all about it. Um, Apparently, it belonged to a friend... Um, or belonged to someone who didn't live around there. Uh, he would just put it out by the road because this guy's property was on the highway. So anyway, um, they claimed that it ran. And so I took a battery, you know, I, I met the guy out there another day, brought, um, some, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like a air tank and, um, brought a battery, and I brought a five-gallon gas can, and we got the thing started. It sat for the guy. It had been about eight months. got it started, got the tires aired up, and uh, it drove, you know, forwards and backwards and ran okay. I offered the guy $700, and he hemmed and hawed, but he took it, and uh, then I drove it home crooked the springs had kind of stuck in the crisscross crooked style that they were because of the flat tires but anyway drove it home and this is when i was introduced to the age-old problem of scouts with terrible caster this thing had like six inch lift shackles on it and if you know anything about scouts scout twos they have zero degrees of caster from the factory well you add big lift shackles and all of a sudden it throws in tons of positive caster it rotates those knuckles forward and it becomes a death trap and that's what this thing was anything over about 40 it just became unmanageable so, quickly, I learned, you know, get rid of those. So I threw some stock-sized shackles on it and kind of lowered it back down. But, um, you know, it was nice having a Scout with power steering and power brakes. It had a Dana 30, drum brake 30 front, because uh, it was an early 73. And... uh you know, but as I, as I started tinkering with it, things started working again. It ran okay. Well, over the course of owning the Scout, um, I'd also inherited a, I should say inherited, someone dumped a 75 three-quarter ton four-wheel drive pickup at uh, my dad's place. And I uh, took some liberties. <laughs> and I took the axles out from under it and put them under the scout. So I had never done anything like that before. This was like 2001, maybe. And I had no experience in mechanicing or fabrication or anything. But a friend of mine, um, his dad was oh you know pretty decent at that stuff and offered to help help me get it sorted out because he'd helped his son my buddy build a ranger that was pretty capable and so he's like i'll help you build this scout so i show up there with my wonky scout and what really prompted this um, build was i'd blown up the dana 30 front and uh so I didn't want to put another 30 in it. I didn't have a Scout 44. And, uh, plus I wanted to go big. This, you know, wheeling on 31s, I was over it pretty fast. And so I wanted, I wanted to go wheeling for reels. So we did a spring over on it with um, these three quarter ton international pickup axles. You know, disc brake front, it's a 44 front, uh, 60 rear, 410 gears, and it was, you know, of course the rear end that was easy. That's just weld some perches on, and and then you've got the rear end. But the front um, took some work to get to fit on those perches. I don't remember what we did exactly to get the Scout leaf springs on the on the pickup perches, but um we got it on there and we were trying to figure out how to do the steering and we took a chunk of 1 inch thick flat stock drilled some holes in it drilled corresponding holes and tapped the knuckle cuz it had high it had flat top knuckles like a lot of the older Dana 44s had flat tops on both sides, right and left knuckles were flat. So without even taking the knuckle off, (laughs) we just drilled and tapped it for like, I think they were three quarter inch bolts, maybe. I can't remember what size they were. I just remember they were, we thought, you know, they needed to be beefy because we're drilling the steering arm into this knuckle. No conical washers, no nothing, no safety to it. Like we could have split the knuckle easy uh, tapping it like we were. Not a F given, you know, steering arm was straight, not even bent. And uh, when it came time to make the taper for the tie rod and to bolt into it, we <laughs> didn't have... We, I don't know, there was no tie rod, taper, reamer. They ended up somewhere in the back of the barn. They had like a spike. They had some, like a spud wrench or some iron worker tool or something. I can't remember where it even came from, but me and Jerry, his name was Jerry, (laughs) heated that steering arm up till it was just glowing red with the rosebud and then drove the spike into the end of the arm to make the tie rod taper. And I can promise you that it wasn't the same taper. Like I'm I'm almost certain that uh, it wasn't the right taper, but (laughs) we drove a tapered uh, spike into the end of this arm to make the tie rod taper and and it tie rod in bolted in um and it lasted for years years and years uh looking back on it now i would not (laughs) tell anyone to do this ever ever so don't do this at home kids i just got extremely lucky uh, i think because later uh i was wheeling the scout up in washington and we sheared off two of the bolts that were in the in the knuckle because they had no no conical washer or anything and i think what happened was the arm had started to loosen up um, which is what happens on those things it starts slowly wiggling around on the studs and on the bolts and what it does and this happens with the high steer stuff now even is that because there's three studs the center stud acts like a pivot and then the front and back stud end up catching the movement of the arm so what had happened with our setup I think was that the center bolt turned into a pivot and the front and rear bolt just started getting beat back and forth and back and forth and you didn't really notice it in the steering arm because or in the steering wheel I should say because it was you know wheeling and off road and all that stuff and and then on a really gnarly trail up of you can't even it's not even open anymore they've closed it but um I snapped that arm off and it took a act of god to get it down off of the trail and one of the washington club guys let me you know he trailered it to his house and he worked on it and and fixed it for me but um yeah it was a it was a thing and i and i remember just how like super janky that is now looking back I, i i'm amazed it didn't die and i drove that thing with no shocks for about three weeks so if you've ever driven a truck with no shocks especially a sprung-over scout, it's all springy and wobbly, you will hit a bump and change lanes worse than any bump steer. Like, it just... (laughs) Scout was all over the place. Like I said, I should have died a hundred times in that thing. We did some ridiculous stuff. And of course, like every, you know, 20-year-old kid, it's, you know, I don't need a roll cage. I don't plan on rolling it. What do I need a roll bar for? You know, roll bars are for jeeps and sissies and i was like i just put all my money into lifts and tires i was running i was running the 34 inch uh 34 inch tall by 9 inch wide tsls which were pizza cutters to end all pizza cutters and my friend gary gary hadin if you listen back on some of the other podcasts he would refer to those as grave diggers. And, uh, and they, the, the troops in the old World War II days and stuff used to call the NDTs grave diggers because you wouldn't go forward. It wouldn't propel you forward. You would just dig straight down until you were stuck. And that happened to me a lot. I learned a lot about wheeling in that scout. And got stuck several times on those goddamn tires and uh, you know just dig these perfectly square trenches and until the diffs hit the ground and, and that was it you have to get winched out or pulled out but yeah that scout I ended up learning like the axle wrap became a real thing with that I broke several rear drive shafts from the spring wrap just Kinking the drive shafts off and getting stuck. Um, yeah, just, just some stuff like that. I eventually put a roll bar in it. It was a Smitty built um, roll bar. You could still buy uh, four wheel parts. I think it was sold that. I, Cause that was back in the early 2000s, there weren't a lot of like off road shops especially in Oregon where I was, if there was an off-road shop, they were bolting, you know, like 42-inch groundhogs to your you know, square-body Chevy and, you know, it was all like chrome exhaust and, and stupid shit like that. It wasn't, it wasn't like legit wheeling. You had to do all that stuff yourself. Um, I remember joining uh, Pirate 4x4 in 2002. And like, it was like the heavens opened up because I could not consume the information fast enough. There were guys that were, you know, Shannon Campbell from Campbell Enterprises and all these, you know, King of the Hammers winning drivers and builders were there. Pushing the envelope already. And I couldn't learn fast enough. I could not absorb what they were doing fast enough. And so that Smitty built roll bar that came from four wheel parts then got a front cage add on, which you could still, Smitty built would sell. Uh, and then I was working part time at a muffler shop by then, uh, Malala Muffler. What was the name of the place, and so I was bending up tubing uh, on the on the muffler bender and uh, and and building my own cage and built my own traction bar to stop ruining drive shafts and by then I'd changed the knuckle out to an actual legit um, studded high steer knuckle with a real high steer arm and then the high steer arm on the driver's side and uh, you know had traditional high steer um you know i'd gone through a couple sets of springs the truck was now red we had painted it um, using the tractor paint which was the greatest thing ever we we sanded down that bondo spot and pulled the dent and then filled her back in with just a little bit of bondo and again this is all new to me i'm learning from various friends and people willing to teach me but we, um, we shot that thing, International Red, outside in the summertime. So there were dead bugs stuck to it <laughs> almost immediately. There were several places where, after the paint dried, you could see where the bugs landed on it and died. <laughs> so, but it was, you know, it was a quick and dirty paint job. We pulled, like, we pulled the lights, pulled the grill, uh, maybe the door handles masked over the wing windows and the windshield and shot it and uh, it actually turned out really nice. I won some awards at the scout shows and stuff um, but the scout got a little more lift. I'd done a one inch body lift with believe it or not hockey pucks because um, uh, it's just what was around. I didn't know anybody, any machinists and I couldn't get aluminum Made So I just went to the old ice rink at the Clackamas Town Center and bought eight hockey pucks and uh, drilled a hole in them and new body bushings and a hockey puck. And, and then I had enough room for 35s. So I bolted some 35s in there. Um, a good friend of mine, I, I paid for a winch bumper to be built because I didn't have the skills for that yet um yeah i'm building roll cage for myself but (laughs) not a bumper (laughs) oh well i mean this mini built roll bar was mostly pre-made so i couldn't you know i couldn't hurt myself too bad with that but the bumper my buddy lucas built for me um and you know i just kept using the scout i kept breaking stuff and learning and you know, I got it. The 345 got pulled out and the 392 got put in and 727 got rebuilt a couple of times. Uh, if you've, there's a previous story about me putting engine oil in it to get out of the mountain. Uh, the data 20 got rebuilt once or twice. Um, you know, I just, I went all over the country with that scout wheeling and it's what helped me, um, when it came to building the next Scout, which was my sixty-three um, Rock Crawler type build, you know why that one was built the way it was built because I learned so much from building the seventy-three that you know I knew what I needed to do different, what I wanted different, and so um, yeah, it just it was uh, that that seventy-three was definitely a learning experience you know just and i of course i did it completely wrong you know you spend three times the money building it you know you build it a little bit and then you know you build it a little bit more and then you build a little bit more until you get it to where you think you want it and it's like i try and tell people nowadays um you know if your end goal is 35s or whatever don't modify it to fit 31s and then say you're going to wait and then modify it again to fit 33s and then do it again you're going to spend way more money just drive a stock until you can save up the money for the amount of modifications to fit the 35s it doesn't it's stupid you know it's high school kid builds i mean that's what i was when i started so of course you know you're the first thing you spend your money on is wheels and tires and then you realize you only have $500 left for the rest of the build, where you should go the other way around, spend all your money on the build and then figure out the tires after the fact, you know, you can find used tires or whatever, but it's hard to find used labor. <laughs> so, you know, um, just, things like that I learned I, I really the, that Scout took a lot of abuse um, and you know a lot of drunk driving and drunk wheeling and stupid getting stuck in the middle of nowhere and not being prepared and and all the things so uh, yeah I, I, I do miss that Scout I ended up wrecking it I think I have told that story in another Podcast ended up losing the brakes. The engine died going downhill, and I didn't have any brakes. And it careened off a couple of trees and pretty much totaled it. Broke the front axle in half, um, literally in half. The tubes had separated from the pumpkin and put the passenger tire through the floor on the passenger side. And it really it just wrecked some stuff. So. Uh, that scout ended up getting parted out. Um, what was good, I could part out. But what was, the sad part was is that even when I parted it out, it was still fairly rust-free. Um, and the re- the tub went to the wrecking yard, and I scrapped it. Looking back now, I'd, I could have rebuilt the thing now and had a nice scout again. But back then, I mean, that was 2006, and six seven. So, you know, six years of building the thing and to me by then it was, it was wore out. You know, I was 27 years old and it was time to move on to something else. You know, I was over it, I guess. I think I was partially scared to, um, you know, that, that was a really traumatic experience for me. And I think seeing that scout every day, wrecked like it was it really kind of wore on me um so getting rid of it also was uh kind of what's the word cathartic i think that's the word uh just getting starting fresh and that's why the 63 scout was the complete opposite um you know the the 73 red scout was nice paint 35s full width, um you know, three ninety two automatic. It just was a nice. It was a nice driver too. It was a. It was a good dual purpose scout. Um, you know, had a locker, lockers front and rear, um, all that stuff. So it was a good scout. Whereas the sixty three, eighty that I built, that was, I mean, it was beat to shit. It was a four cylinder, four speed. Uh, Wagoneer axles, 37s, exo uh, cage, no doors, you know, just, we called it the rattle trap shitbox. And, you know, that was what it was. It was the complete opposite of the 73. And and I think that's just kind of what I needed to get back on the horse as far as off-roading and wheeling and stuff. And and I built that sixty three. And that thing was an animal. I mean, it, it didn't break anything. I just it just worked. It worked out of the box and and I learned that from that seventy three. So that's what I tell people when I talk about my experiences and, and and the knowledge that I have, it's from wrecking things. It's from ruining things and redoing it and redoing it again and wrecking it again. and And that's how I am, where I am now. Uh, which gives gives this job gives us a unique uh, perspective on building things and doing things and, and you know I try and build everything rhinoceros proof because I've been there you know you think something's going to last you think it's going to hold up and, and it doesn't and you know even in daily driving it just stuff wears out stuff breaks so I try and use my experiences to account for that so anyway so yeah so the old red scout got scrapped and a lot of the photos i have of it were kind of pre-digital um they you know or they were on a digital camera and they got uploaded to some photo sharing site or or they're on like they used to be on uh, binder bulletin it was called and uh, you know that since long dissolved, and it got transferred over to Binder Planet, but a lot of the files and stuff got lost or didn't transfer. So there's hardly any photos of my '73 out there. Um, every once in a while, one I'll, I'll find one on some obscure post on Pirate Four x Four or something. But, but yeah, not much, not much of me out there. So anyway, well, hopefully that was a learning experience for everyone hopefully you laughed at me and uh, <laughs> you know can poke some fun at me later but anyway appreciate all of you guys for listening thank you very much uh, until next time I'm Dan from Binder Long Yard